Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast at filmstage.com. <laughs> what just happened? I got goosebumps. <laughs> oh yeah, baby. It is after school. Your parents aren't home. You flip on the TV to UPN. What do you yeah. see? Dragon Ball Z? No. <laughs> that was cartoon. Anyway, <laughs> so we're here... <laughs> today on this movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com to talk about the new film Detective Pikachu. Oh, I'm sorry. Pokemon Detective Pikachu out in theaters now. Of course, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan, joined as always by Michael Snydell. I always knew I was going to go deaf to the Pokemon theme. (laughs) (laughs) We also have Bill Graham. And joining us from the episode that we had on Funny Games, which is actually out in a new Criterion Blue right now. It's Dominic Suzanne Mayer. Thanks for having me back, everyone. Thank you for for you know deciding that you wanted to do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm very I mean, excited about this episode. Let me tell you what. They're the right. same movie, aren't they? Funny Games and Detective Pikachu. I mean, there a lot are, of narrative similarities, all things considered. The, both, this is a remake. <laughs> if I told you that you know, there was a movie that involved someone pouring gasoline on someone to get them to answer questions. <laughs> you would be forgiven for believing that I was talking about funny games. It's, this is true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good, good so, job. so there's that. Uh, but let's, uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> um, what are we doing here? Uh, as you follow us on Twitter at film stage show, Facebook, the film stage show, and, uh, all that other stuff, uh, email us podcast, the film and, of course, find us on iTunes and give us a comment and rating. And uh, we are uh, brought to you in part by our wonderful patrons. You can go to patreon.com slash show to give us as little as $1 an episode to get access to our super cool Slack channel and to be uh, given first crack at all the raffles that we have on the website. And we are brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema, where every day their creators bring you a brand new film to enjoy, which you would then have 30 days to watch. And uh, then it cycles out. So that means you have a constantly rotating selection of 30 different movies to watch. They have their can takeover going on right now, which uh, is all about, you know, things that have come from the Cannes Film Festival, which is currently happening. If you haven't been on film Twitter, you don't know that. If you've been on film Twitter, you're already tired of it. (laughs) (laughs) The first movie from the Cannes Takeover is Antichrist by Lars von Trier. That is the 2009 movie starring Willem Dafoe and uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg. And this, that's a, have we all seen that movie? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> speaking of funny games, speaking of I movies. I watched that, that with my mom. Why would you do that? I don't know. <laughs> You're, you can't just drop that bomb and then say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I did that, but uh, you sound like one was... of those characters on the wire who someone's like, "Why are you slinging drugs?" And you're just like, "I don't know." It's like the only choice <laughs> I have. Like you don't have to watch Antichrist with your mom. I heard it was good, 
I didn't hear all that much about it. And then I decided to put it on and she was in the same room. And so she started watching it too. Do you think your mom would recommend Antichrist? Fuck no. Okay. (laughs) So Antichrist, not a movie to watch with your mom. Uh, What else do we have on there? The parallel worlds of Olivier Asseas. They have something in the air and Carlos. uh, Something in the air we reviewed on this very podcast. And that is an incredible movie that you should check out. Uh, So, yeah. You know, I would recommend it's a movie I don't like that much, but I think it's fascinating. And it's Errol Morris's tabloid, which is uh, a bizarre documentary uh, that goes that starts with kidnapping and ends up in some very sordid and uh, kinky places. (laughs) Okay. Uh, In addition, don't forget that tape is still on movie so you can. Watch that and then uh, tweet at Michael Snydell that you, too, are a fan of tape. What? (laughs) Okay. Someone legitimately became a patron just so they could join the Slack channel and say that. It was amazing. I I saw it. Thank you. But okay. (laughs) I'm turning this into a thing. Anyway, if you'd like a free 30-day subscription to Mubi, all you got to do is go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, that is mubi.com. Slash film stage. Um, so that is that for the housekeeping and the upfront stuff. Now we can get into the feature review, which is Pokemon Detective Pikachu. This movie stars Justice Smith and Ryan Reynolds. And it's, uh, oh God, how do I even begin to give a synopsis for this movie? Uh, this is a film about a young man whose father, a private detective, dies in a car accident. And when he goes to the city to just settle affairs... He is confronted with his father's Pikachu, who now has the miraculous ability to speak full-on English, and the two set off to try to discern what happened to his dad. What is a Pikachu, Brian? Uh, it's a Pokemon, Michael. What is a Pokemon? A Pokemon is a pocket monster. <laughs> I could do this all day. Uh, all right. <laughs> we're going to play the trailer, then we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Pokemon, we're going to talk about our feelings about pokemon and uh our feelings about video game movies all is context for our full review of Woo. pokemon detective pikachu so there i was i woke up with a heavy case of amnesia in the middle of nowhere the only clue to my past is harry's name and address inside this hat so i made my way to the apartment and that's when i found you and your stapler gun stop talking you're a hallucination you're a hallucination so you're a talking Pikachu with no memories who's addicted to caffeine. I could stop whenever I want. These are just choices. Another round, extra shot. Black as night. Thank you, sweetie. I don't know. Maybe Harry got in too deep. Mixed up the wrong. All right. That so that's the opening of the trailer for Pokemon Detective Pikachu. It's out in theaters now. Wide release. Maybe you've heard of it. I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, before we begin to talk about this movie... Let's talk about a couple other things. Pokemon, a apparently one of the most successful like cross media franchise ever mm-hmm. when you put together all of its various permutations. Uh, so let's see if we have any uh, knowledge base. So uh, I'm just going to start. I used to play Pokemon Red. I was obsessed with it. I legitimately still have my Game Boy Pocket and will sometimes bust out Pokemon just because it's fun. I still uh, have my Pokemon. Hell yeah. Yeah, man. It's just, it's like, it's, it's a, it's a legitimately good game. I enjoy it. Oh, it yeah. like, 
combines many, many aspects of video games that are fun. It's like an open world sort of RPG. You've also got your like, the, what do they call it? Like dungeon crawling, loot collecting stuff. But in this case, it's fucking animals. <laughs> and and random your... battles because yeah. it hates you. <laughs> and you got like cool moves and you fight things and you win badges and stuff. It's awesome. Turn-based. Yeah. Turn-based combat. Um, so you got that. And then also just to like run through all of the different Pokemon properties that I was into. I definitely watched the anime show when I was a younger man. Uh, made that joke earlier about getting home from school and flipping it on. Mm-hmm. And um, what else? I did the card game. Did you collect it or did you battle? I did both, baby. Whoa. whoa. I had my dad play. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, no, my friends and I would would Pokemon card <laughs> battle all the time. We had the uh, we had, what the little gems you put on things. Oh no! Because <laughs> you had Damn, to like Brian. count how Whoa. many hit points you had. Yeah, um, I was all over that. I did that shit on the reg. Um, what else? I did Pokemon Snap. That was yes. a fun game. Yeah. That was a great game. And then, um, like, did you ever print out any of your photos? I do not even know how I would have done that. <laughs> Blockbuster. They had a, a kiosk. Well, hold on. Hold on. Here's here's the question. What about Pokemon oh, Stadium? Well, yeah. Oh, Bill. Oh, Bill. <laughs> I played so much Pokemon Stadium. I So when that first came out, we played it. And then it was one of those games that, like, I lived in a flop house, basically, for the last two years of college. And so we had all these old game systems. So we would play Risk on the Sega Genesis for some reason. Whoa. And then we would get like wasted and play either Super Smash Brothers or Pokemon Stadium. So I played that well into my 20s. Nice. Nice. <laughs> and we would have like vicious debates about like which Pokemon, you know, was better and like, you know, we like what people would fair? do color commentary as we were playing. They'd be like, "Oh mm-hmm. man, you got an Onix and this guy's busted out a Charizard, he's fucked." Anyway, so th- I've clearly got a knowledge base, but it only extends to the first 150. So Let's talk to our guest, Dominic. You mean 151, right? Well, yes, because there's Mew and Mewtwo. Yeah. Then there's technically missing now, but like I don't think that really counts. Anyway. God. (laughs) Michael is already upset about this conversation. I'm not upset. It's just triggering, you know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Dominic, what about yourself? What's your background with the, uh, the Pokemon? Oh, Lord. I won't reiterate all yours, but you've hit on a lot of mine. Um, I will add that I once purchased as a kid from lawn mowing money a copy of Hey You Pikachu. And if you want (laughs) to radicalize a young child against capitalism, have him work half his summer to earn $60 for the privilege of not being able to talk to a Pokemon through a bad microphone. Oh, wow. I do not remember this game at all. And I just looked it up. And this is all I do. Let me tell you something about Hey You Pikachu for oh, a minute, man. Brian. <laughs> I, hey You Pikachu was promised in publications like Game Informer and other luminaries of the time as a revolution in N64 gaming where somehow, despite being the lowest equipment system on the block at the time, God bless the N64, was promising to be the first ones who would ever successfully let you speak to your character. And I was 10 years old and I was so excited to finally talk to Pikachu. And after an hour, I had been hoodwinked for the first time. And I knew that. 
And I learned something about life that day, my friends. So, so this was released. Don't just, have heroes. What's weird is that this was released like a full two years earlier in Japan than North America, apparently. Yeah. It was apparently released in North America in 2000. Now, I'm curious, was this before Seaman, the, Dreamca- the Dreamcast game? Well, as someone who also had a Sega Dreamcast during this time, <laughs> um, it was before by, I believe, about a year or two. And I had Seaman as well, so I roughly remember that. What was your obsession with wanting to talk to the video games? <laughs> I don't know. I happen to have both. And now I'm realizing I might be the only person who did. It's This podcast has already been isolating, so thanks, everyone. <laughs> Because I okay, so the, like this this became a, like I remember really wanting I I wanted a Dreamcast I never got it probably not a bad thing but I remember seeing Seaman and being like that's so cool he's like a dick and you can talk to him. <laughs> I don't remember Hey You Pikachu so that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so hey aside you to me aside from well. Hey You Pikachu uh, and what I've said was there any other property that you were familiar with that holds you um, sway? Honestly, like I, I played a lot of stadium. I rented Pokemon Snap from the Blockbuster a few times, like everyone did. Um, and the one thing I remember about the card game was that my mom had an old NES with the golden Zelda cartridge, an old Tetris, an old Mario Brothers Duck Hunt, and we even had the Zapper Gun and a bunch of those things. Oh yeah. Man. And then I'm about eight or nine years old. And I annoy my poor mother into selling all of the above at the Funko Land the next town over for exactly eight packs of Pokemon trading cards. So when people say that the cards were an epidemic, they don't understand. (laughs) Yes. All right. Bill Graham, aside from what we've already talked about, uh, or, you know, if you want to expand on any one thing, what is your background with Pokemon? Sure. So uh, definitely didn't play the card game. Definitely collected them because they were shiny and fun and cool. First of um, all, only the major evolutions were shiny. You get those uh, foil cards, baby. Whatever. Um, <laughs> anyways, I collected them. Uh, didn't know what the fuck to do with them. Uh, did not play that game. Um, but I then went on to, let me see here, uh, brief history. Yep. Uh, skipped all, of all sorts of generations of Pokemon once after the 151 and, uh, then caught back up with it around sun and moon, which came out like two years ago. I think I got a, uh, Nintendo DS specifically for that game. Because one of my other friends, uh, she was really into it. And I was just like, this sounds fun. Is this good? And she was like, yes. And I was like, okay, I'll get all of them. (laughs) And so I got all of them. Uh, They are a blast. Uh, I also played Pokemon Go for quite a while until they took away the little uh, feet stamp things. And as soon as that happened, I gave up on that game. Wait, wait, wait. What are the feet stamp things? So it used to be that you could track down Pokemon by kind of rolling around neighborhoods um, real sketchy like. And like you would see more feet on on their little uh, icons. Right. There would be the little locator. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And less feet when you didn't get closer, when they got farther away. And so you could kind of like 
literally track down Pokemon. You would see one pop up and you'd be like, holy shit, let me make a right here. And you make a right and then you go down that little road and it would get closer and then it would suddenly get farther away. And so you would backtrack, make a left. Oh, okay, cool. And then it would suddenly appear. That was amazing. It was literally like they were in the wild. And then they decided that that was taking too much data and slowing down the game because there was like, I don't know, 150 million people that were trying to play that game or something. (laughs) And so they decided to take that off. And I think they just like put them in order from top to bottom of closest. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But then it took away like half of your information, and so you couldn't track them down nearly as as well. Uh, and so clearly, this was a big rift between you and Pokemon Go. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, Niantic and I still do not get along. Um, and so, yeah, I I gave up on the game after that. Uh, had a lot of fun with it though. But man, uh, that was that was not a a, a fun time. I um, uh, I played Pokemon Go for a bit. I think I I stopped playing when I lost a job that I had. That like if I stepped outside of my building, I was near three Pokestops. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so like after a while, I was like, okay, I'm not getting any balls or anything anymore. I I've, I've yep. used up all my my equipment in this game, and I legitimately can't play anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it definitely has a, uh, a an apex moment where you're just like, well, I. Yeah, I can't do it anymore. Um, I remember distinctly being at my uh, parents' house one day, and I was like, oh, hey, I got to step outside real quick. And I had to hop a giant concrete fence to get to a Dragonair. (laughs) Oh, that's a good one, though. Yeah, and uh, it fucking disappeared on me. And I was like, you son of a bitch, I climbed a concrete wall to get to you. (laughs) That's like the moment where you're like, you've just like sold your own mother's television for like some (laughs) sort of drug and you're like, nope, I've done it. I've gone too far. I need to stop. Yes. The Black Mirror sounds exceptionally lame. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, Michael Snydell, what about you? Are we like... As 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 far as what we've all said, are you about on par with us, or are you looking down on us? No, no, I'm I'm on par. I'll, I'll mention a few things that haven't been mentioned. Uh, first of all, I want to say Pokemon Pinball, pretty awesome uh, spinoff game that we haven't talked about. Second, that yeah. Uh, what the hell is Pokemon was Pinball? It Spinball? No, it's it is Pokemon. No, Pinball. you're thinking okay, oh. yeah, because there's Sonic Spinball. Yeah, yeah, no, but there's Pokemon. Let's Pinball. not talk about Sonic. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> That'll be in a year. No worries. I was about to say, the time for that will come. (laughs) Um, Pokemon Puzzle League also rules. Um, uh, I kind of skipped for a while, like Bill, like I did from Gold and Silver, and then I picked it up at Diamond, which I still have and still play from time to time. I think I have Uh, Diamond. What's up? I think I have Diamond. I I I went out and like searched down the the rare ones, the ones that are like I don't know, uh, is it gold? Uh, maybe they I like, can't remember what it is, but like they're like fifty or sixty bucks still on like sure. on the second on the secondary market, like like crystal. Isn't that is that one? I, I think it might be, but yeah, I, I tracked down both of those sons of bitches because they have, they have certain Pokemon that you cannot get otherwise. And then sun and moon was just like, nah, here they are. And you're just like, because sun and moon created a worldwide web of 
the Pokemon. And so you mm. can trade Pokemon rare, unrare, whatever. And all you got to do is just find other people that will be willing to trade them. And you can do that on the internet now. And it's just like, yeah. wow, that just uh, <laughs> kicked the door open. So. The other the other interesting experience I had, though, was it was one of my first experiences with subtitles when at my local Graham Cracker. I don't know if Graham Cracker is national, but uh, my local Graham Cracker actually bought. What? That's what it's called. Graham Cracker. That's a, a chain. I don't know what this is. It's a comic book. Oh, OK. Great. Oh. Um, but they had a Japanese subtitled version of what would eventually become the Pokemon the first movie. So I bought that and that was subtitled. And like so it felt like I had something like not forbidden, but there was like I to this day, I swear there's like a little more blood in that early parts, you know, with all the scientists and stuff and where everything blows up real good. Um, Damn. So that was we are some nerdy ass. people. Yeah. Yeah. Look, you don't you don't fucking join a movie podcast if you had like the coolest childhood. I had no, the but, coolest childhood. I don't know. What it you're it was about. it was annoying. It was like semi annoying, but semi cool having this, and then like finding out the American release was like two months later. <laughs> so it, <laughs> so I ended up buying both, of course, like an asshole. But um, that that about covers it. And then for a little while, I was into wanting to get Japanese cards on eBay. I didn't play the fucking card game, but I really wanted to collect them. And I still have some at Japanese times cards. I got some cool. Yeah, at, at a certain point, I, I definitely got some cool ones. And I don't know, there was like something that was like, maybe some, one of you guys know about this, but it was like Egyptian ancient legendary Pokemon. It was or the something. Kabuto and the Kabutops, right? No, there was. Well, no, that wasn't. One of those were fossils. Yes. Well, I heard ancient. I just figured, you know, but it is something more like, like they were kind of like a lupine like, but like seemed like some type of legendary, but I don't know if they ever came to the U S or it's probably not anywhere near as rare as I'm making it sound, but it was still like, there was still something really cool about getting some of this stuff like online and then getting something and being like, I've never seen this in a store or something. So hmm. there, it definitely had a lot of like, it, it nurtured some tendencies tendencies in me that were probably not super healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I am um, on a on a field trip that my school took to Annapolis. <laughs> we found a small uh, like independently owned toy store that had Japanese Pokemon cards. Oh, nice. Which clearly we couldn't use in the game because we didn't know what the fuck they said, but we wanted them <laughs> because they had exactly. like really cool stuff. So I know what you're talking about. I've been there. <laughs> like different pictures and you're like, whoa, this one has a different picture. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, I think that was what I was thinking of because like I'm pretty sure that someone was like, I opened the pack and there's a Kabutops in it. And we're like, holy shit. <laughs> this was also one of the first games that like my friends and I became obsessed with like development cycles for. And um, reading up on the possible things that would be happening in the new game. So, like, we'd have a friend who had, like, Game Informer or, like, uh-huh. Nintendo Power. Oh, and Nintendo like, Power, sir. Yeah. Dude, like, the new Pokemon game, like, there's going to be, like, there's going to be Pokemon you can only catch at night. So, like, the show, the, the movie, or the movie, the video game's going to have, like, night and day. And then you can, like, mm-hmm. crossbreed them. And it's going to be so fucking cool. But then by the time those games finally came out, we were like, shit, I'm really into women now. And so... <laughs> 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 Gotta put this to the side. Time so to put here's, away here's something cool, things. Brian. 
here's, what was here's that? a nice little thing. Here's a nice little thing that that's a current development. So now they have some legendary and rare Pokemon that are only released at like game stops and stuff like that, where oh you literally God. have to go get a physical card from them and then bring that back. You have to scan the photo into your, uh, Nintendo DS. DS and then it'll let you grab that Pokemon. And so like they're super, super fucking rare versions of them. And like some with like special abilities already on them and, uh, things that only they can learn, like you can only like gift them or something like that. But yeah, there's a there's a whole like little horde of that stuff, and they're only available, like you can only redeem those for a certain amount of time. So it's really hard to like sell them on eBay afterwards. So mm. it's just like, eh, okay. So they're available for like a two week span or something like that. And it's just like holy shit. Uh, yeah, I definitely got some of those Pokemons. Uh, they, it was First of all, real the awkward. plural of Pokemon is I, Pokemon. <laughs> Pokemon. Uh, it was real awkward going in as a 30-year-old and being like, yo, you got those Pokemon? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously we haven't, we, we aren't, we haven't stayed with it the way that maybe we thought we would as children. Um, I know that there's like a Switch game. And there's a bunch of other stuff, but we clearly could be the target audience for Pokemon Detective Pikachu. <laughs> and now, thirty minutes into this podcast, we are going to talk about that movie. So let's let's uh, let's do it, Dominic. Why don't you start us off with your basic spoiler-free <laughs> thoughts on Pokemon Detective Pikachu? Honestly, as far as spoiler-free thoughts go, I had a lot of fun with it while simultaneously wishing I had more fun with it. And I guess that's the most succinct way I can put it because Detective Pikachu is, or I'm sorry, Pokemon Detective Pikachu (laughs) is a movie that's trying to be a few things simultaneously. It's trying to be a Roger Rabbit-esque exploration of like a weird cartoon underworld. It's trying to be a family movie where a Pikachu with the voice of Ryan Reynolds makes pee jokes. I'm sorry if that's a spoiler. <laughs> and it's also, you know, as everyone kind of alluded to in the last few minutes, trying to be nostalgia bait for people of a certain age. And honestly, I am entirely the target demographic <laughs> for this movie. And I was worked over a hand t- handful of times by it. But at the same time, I kind of find found myself rather wishing that it would have, you know, figured out what kind of movie it wanted to be instead of planting seeds for an eventual movie that will do that. Hopefully. All right, Bill Graham. So I had a lot of fun with this film. Um, I remember seeing the trailer and just being sold, sold, sold as soon as Ryan Reynolds voice came out of, uh, Pikachu. Um, I thought that was, you know, it's, it's kind of dumb, but it's also a lot of fun. It's, it's really interesting to see these kind of clashing of like worlds. Um, the fact that Ryan Reynolds did this is, uh, I don't know what his background is in, in, pokemon but i think it's hilarious as a man who likes money i'm sure it was a difficult decision for (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm sure i'm sure uh that being said i i enjoyed this film from beginning to end and then i got out of the theater and the more i started 
thinking about the film, the more I really hated the end. Um, and we can kind of get into that. I don't think the end makes any sense. And I feel like it it is all a big setup to tell a story that a lot of uh, American audiences that are even into Pokemon aren't all that familiar with because this is loosely, loosely based on the Detective Pikachu game that's out in like Japan. And I think it's it either came out recently or it just it's going to come out here soon, but it, it doesn't have like a whole lot of like staying power. And so people are just like, what is detective Pikachu? Like, why, why can't we just have a Pokemon movie? It and came so, out almost a year ago, but it, okay. it, it had like, yeah, no impacts. Exactly. So yeah, that's uh yeah, it's a, uh, it's fun. Uh, it looks really good at times. And then sometimes it looks eh, m- maybe a little bit passable. Um, Mr. Mime and Psyduck are amazing. That's all. Okay. Michael Snydell. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to have to fixate on a a phrase that Dom uh, used, which was worked over. And that's kind of been uh, something I've been thinking about a lot as I, I I, I will admit that I, I I had like a a good time with this up until the point that it it needs to actually be a movie. And and I think it just kind of uh, really, really, uh, transparently like reveals itself as like a, a series of set pieces in kind of a really um, hollow way. I, and, you know, like uh, Rob Letterman is a, like, I, I don't think he's like a great director or anything, but I had a pretty good time with Goosebumps, which is uh, what he did before this. Um, and I, I just don't think that this is the charm. I think uh, Catherine Newton is really bad in this. She's um, out of place. I, I don't know. What, I'm going to do you one better. I think that her and Justice Smith are abysmal in this fucking movie. <laughs> I And I'm going to respectfully disagree on this point, yeah. but I guess we can get to that. Oh, we'll get yeah. into it. The stage I, is set. <laughs> I, get, I get the sense that I'm uh, preparing a platform for Brian to jump off of uh, right now. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I think that the way that the third act, um, just from beginning to end I, I think the third act and then as a whole when you look back at the movie i think this movie is just terribly put together um i i found myself from moment to moment you know finding like the bullying cuteness uh, what what can i say <laughs> pikachu is cute and i can't i can't uh i i'm not um invincible is not the word <laughs> I, invulnerable Thank you. Thank you, Brian. I am not invulnerable. Uh, and even Ryan Reynolds stick occasionally works for me. I, I love coffee too. So, you know, mm-hmm. how am I, how am I not going to love those jokes? But, but yeah, uh, the more and more time that goes past, the more I'm like, what, what the fuck is this thing? And why wasn't it severely worked over? And uh, Leslie, it's good to see uh, what's his name for "You're the Worst" in this, though. Oh, Chris uh, Gear. I, I hope he gets more. Hope he gets more roles. <laughs> I um yeah I. <laughs> so for the people at home, let me uh, explain what's happening. Bill just sent over the Skype 
text chat a picture of some sort of Raichu looking creature. Is this the surf it's, it's, one? Yes, this is the lowland Raichu. The lowland Raichu. Is it using its like tail those eyes. as a surfboard? Kind of, yes. It's, okay. it's I don't surfing. like it. It's surf. I'm, I'm closing the chat. I don't want to see that. <laughs> so I was sort of excited for this movie because I was thinking like, Maybe one of the problems with like video game movies, if if you know we we want, well we could talk about that later, like video game movies in general. But maybe one of the problems with them is that like they're trying to be too mature, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe like a ch- a children's movie that embraces the general poppiness and fun of the Pokemon universe, because as as dark as all the subtext is, <laughs> like the music in those games and the art style and everything is super fucking cute. So like maybe. This will be the movie that quote unquote breaks the curse, even though I would argue we've had many, many good video game movies and we just don't like to talk about them. Silent Hill. <laughs> yeah, you're goddamn right. Silent Hill's friggin' great. Christoph Gans knocked that shit out of the fucking park. Um <laughs> I also uh will point out that I am the man who uh won the triple nine award for most underappreciated film of a year by uh nominating po- uh, Assassin's Creed. Oh yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Assassin's Creed is a good movie. Fight me. I still, haven't, I still haven't seen it. I did I did buy all of the Resident Evil franchise, they're, Michael. They're all good except for two. <laughs> yeah, Michael's been binging the Resident I, Evil series. Oh, I'm, so. I'm a fan. Yeah. Um, all right, well, what we're talking about. Dominic, do you have a favorite video game movie? Oh, man. Or do you at I least agree here, with... I was sitting here thinking about it as... You know, it came up because actually Detective Pikachu is both a pretty above average video game movie and I would argue kind of a bad adaptation of Pokemon itself. Mm-hmm. I haven't played Detective Pikachu itself, so there might be some variance there. You know, it's going to sound like an irony choice, and I promise you just based on the volume of times I've watched it throughout my life, it's not. If you say 1995's. Mortal Kombat. Yeah. <laughs> because you know what? On the bell curve of bad movie that also knows what it needs to be in order to be a very good bad movie, Mortal Kombat is very high near the top. That's a, that's a fun movie. And and Brian, I will stand for uh Street Fighter. I watched the shit out of that as I as a kid. <laughs> I think you need to either never see it again or maybe re- recheck it because I don't agree with you in the least bit. Um, I Just because we're talking about it, um, I remember seeing Mortal Kombat at a friend's house and he was so into it. And so I like made a point to be like, yeah, man, that was really good. And I don't think it was. And I haven't seen it since then, but I imagine it's probably above average given how abysmal a lot of these things can be. But I think like in terms like, – We've had interesting directors take a crack at this, and I think that, yeah, like Silent Hill and Assassin's Creed are like at least like ambitious and like not lazy, like you could possibly say certain films that other people have brought up were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know, um, but I also just need to do this. <laughs> gonna fade that down um you you're not gonna let it say mortal Kombat. Okay, what the fuck are you even doing <laughs> i was gonna say there you go
Imagine that being played in nightclubs around the world at that time. It's incredible. (laughs) Okay, so I used to go to some raves and... And people would play it because this is like this is like the like baby's first techno song. Yes. Yes. That and Sandstorm. <laughs> oh yeah. Like anything that was on like Dance Dance Revolution. Um what is it? DJ Sammy's version of Heaven. You've got yeah. uh, Every Time We Touch by Cascada. Uh speaking of DJ Sammy's version of Heaven, please listen to our Her Smell episode. Um <laughs> What was I talking about? So I don't, I, so I was sort of like in for this movie. I was like, you know, it could be fun. It could be fun. I don't know about the concept of Ryan Reynolds as a Pikachu in a PG, in a PG movie because his shtick doesn't really like meld with children. I feel like his level of self-referential irony, I feel isn't what a child wants from a movie. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> and so I go into this movie and just going by like, the title and the rating, I think this movie is a catastrophic miscalculation. Um, it's a Pokemon movie that like gets rid of every piece of iconography that like you want from a Pokemon film. You know, there's no gotta catch them all. There's no exploration and like finding new Pokemon and then trying to fight and catch them. There's no fights. There's no Pokeballs. There's no place we were even familiar with. I don't think Rhyme City's ever been mentioned, has it? I think it's just in the Detective Pikachu game. Okay. And, and like, you know, I, yeah, I can see like, well, well, you know, I don't I don't want to be the kind of guy who's like, they should have just like done the whole, like, there's a story in the games. Why didn't they follow that? But like, when, well, God, I hate talking about when I was a child, um, because I was a fucking, like, embarrassment to my present self. But like, when my friends and I would go into the woods with baseballs and pretend Jesus. to be pokemon people oh my god you know it was like you know like there's a like because it it was basically like a complete how many birds did you hit with with a baseball we never actually threw them at actual animals we would do like a it was an imagination game bill some of us have like you know imagination (laughs) we didn't grow up in texas where throwing baseballs at animals is the national pastime (laughs) shout out to my friends in houston love you very difficult (laughs) um but was i gonna so like as a child like i would go like into the woods to catch insects and frogs and toads and salamanders and like the hope of seeing a fox you know so the the pokemon world for me was like an evolution of the stuff i was already doing and so all that exploration and all that like i don't know biology and nature loving and stuff was like baked in and so this movie for me is like, I don't like understand the appeal of this movie to anyone other than seeing Pokemon that kind of look real. And you can do that online. You, you can Google it. Some are terrifying. Some are very good. And I think the execution here is as fine as it can be. But I think that in general, they always felt uncanny to me. Like I was never drawn into a universe wherein people had Pokemon with them. And I think that having them in a purely urban environment pretty much throws it all out of whack for me. Like the, the scenes that work the best for me are when they're in the middle of the woods. And, uh, yeah, I think that justice Smith's performance is poorly calibrated to the material. And I remember seeing the first trailer for this movie and like his first scene with Ken Watanabe was in that trailer. And I don't know if you all remember that trailer, but it was a mess. It was, it was real bad. 
And I just thought to myself, like, this guy's performance is not in line with whatever this movie appears to be trying to do. And then when you throw Ryan Reynolds in as the cute little Pikachu who's got this weird attitude that's not... Like, if this Pikachu is walking around like Philip Marlowe, <laughs> chain-smoking and drinking whiskey and talking about dames, I think that could be funny. But as it stands, he's just kind of like a little snarky dick and i don't find that to be that endearing or even like paradoxically interesting within the character and so that may be putting a lot of thought into a children's movie but i also just don't think that children are gonna enjoy this the mystery is like at once dumb and incredibly complex and (laughs) and the the final resolution of it is very strange and i just don't know what's here for people and so, like, as I was watching it, I didn't have a lot of issues with it. I was just kind of like, all right, this is still happening. This is still happening. But then the more I thought about it, which is maybe, like, the greatest mistake that I make whenever I see any movie, the more that I thought about it, the more I was like, yeah, that didn't hang together at all. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I'll say, to go back to the point a bit ago of the city itself one of the th- only things I mean, I shouldn't say only, but the thing that certainly stood out to me the most about Detective Pikachu was that city just in the respect that, you know, a lot of the fun of playing Pokemon growing up, especially like before they got into the 3D games and got a lot of more immersive and whatever have you. It was the appeal of being a 10 year old for some reason excommunicated from home from your mother for whatever reason. <laughs> you were exiled from the community. That is true. You were, you were, you were sent to go like capture Rattatas and work your way up the ladder as 10 year olds do. And when you were sent out in the world, especially being a kid playing these games, which is the ostensible audience aside from 30 year olds working through stuff, it's the appeal <laughs> of the games is being out in the world on your own adventure, and anything can happen. And at the best, the city kind of gets to that in and of itself. It's like, oh, there's a Machamp directing traffic. There's a Snorlax in the middle of the street. It's kind of, whatever we might say about the visual, it's kind of an immersion in that world in the way that the games were immersive at their best. Where I would agree is that whenever the movie has to start having a plot, it kind of abandons that feeling. Yeah. yeah, and um, the, I mean the fact that there are little to no Pokemon battles actually shown is just mind-boggling. Like, right. it's I, a Pokemon I, movie that, like I said, yeah. kind of gets rid of all the stuff that, like, if like if I sure. if I walked up to a random asshole on the street sure. and I said Pokemon, what about it? He'd be like, oh, uh, gotta catch them all, Pokeballs fighting, and I'd be like, all right, let's make a Pokemon movie that has none of that. Like, what is? I don't quite get it. I don't really understand. And like, maybe it's the concept of like, you can't make a live action movie that has all that stuff because it would be horrifically violent. But th- have, there's have ways we, around that. Have have we <laughs> all listened to the blank check podcast with the screenwriters? I have any have, of us? Yes. No. I've not. Okay. Okay. Well, they basically explained that when the Pokemon company came to them, they basically said, we want to make a Pokemon movie that isn't our normal foray. So they didn't want to rehash red and blue. They didn't want to do 
some of the stuff that they've already done in the animated films and stuff like that. And so they wanted to really kind of focus in on this new property, Detective Pikachu, and that was kind of what they were given. And under that guise, I think they did well. Under the guise of, is this a good movie, period, especially related to Pokemon, I think, no. <laughs> so I, it's, it's, that, it's well, tough. Because, like, what does this movie offer that, like, really speaks... This is the stupidest podcast ever. That really speaks to the Pokemon generation and what they've been looking to see in a movie Yeah, that takes place in the Pokemon universe. Like, Yeah, the first live-action movie, and this is the one that we're given, and it's... And, and the one and fight they have, he can't even direct the Pikachu because the Pikachu is like, I don't know how to use my powers anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's both simultaneously really gratifying and then also really, I mean, like our guest was saying, like at first you're just like, wow, this is great. And then the more and more you start realizing the things that they don't do, you're like, I wish I was having more fun. Because <laughs> like, why is this not more fun? In my it head, like, be. I understand that you don't want to just do the games again. Because, like, that sounds sure. like a lot of work. But, like... You also have so many animated movies. You have the TV show. Like... Right. You don't want to just rehash Ash's arc, you know? Sure. So, like... But, but like, there's... All... There's ways Sorry. around that. Like, you know, what if you had, like, a kid who, like, found a bunch of, like, misfit, discarded Pokemon... And, like, he could never, like, get out to find his own. So he takes this, like, motley crew of, like, Pokemon that maybe had lost and their owners had, like, legitimately thrown out their Pokeballs. And, like, he rescues these Pokemon from, like, a life in their stasis chambers and, like, mighty ducks them into, like, a fighting team mm -hmm. and then just takes them to a regional competition. Like, there's... There's god, ways to. I'd love to see a regional competition. Like, oh my gosh! Uh, I imagine it's exactly like the film Over the Top, but with Pokemon. <laughs> exactly. Like you, you, you key into those like eighty. Like I was thinking something like Over the Top or like Rocky or the Mighty Ducks or something like. Because yeah. you're allowed to carry six Pokemon, it gives you the opportunity to form a lot of weird. Like you know, you pick like one of the Pokemon maybe is too shy and like has to find its confidence. And the other one is like, doesn't want to take directions and it doesn't oh, have so any this good is, instincts. This is the Wizard of Oz. Well, I, 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 yeah, I think know, one other <laughs> weird thing, Brian, I, I just want to mention real quick before I forget about this, is that, you know, if it, you know, it, it, it is weird to bring up this point that it's not what we expect with the property. As Bill was saying, that should be a good thing. But I think what's strange about it is it's not like it's doing something subversive and strange. And, you know, whatever you think of something like Lego movie or something, that that is something to say about the very idea of being, you know, a perfectionist or, or something. Mm -hmm. But like uh, when you this movie really does not have a message. It does not have <laughs> any uh, like, well, the message is something that's a lot more universal and trite. Love your but, parents. They could die in a car crash. <laughs> <laughs> but, but seriously, I it is really weird. I, I'm wondering if it did have that subversive streak, whether we'd be okay that it wasn't coddling our own vision of nostalgia. Because like right now, we are kind of doing the exact thing that we praise. 
stick stick with me for a second here. Oh, that God. we praise the Last Jedi with, with as opposed sure. to Force Awakens. Okay, like, I think if we're talking about franchise expectations. Just for a second, like it is really weird that we have a different experience with this. And I for I agree with you on this, Brian. But it it is it's kind of unprecedented. No, <laughs> from it's, what I'm thinking about. So to br- <laughs> to bring up the Last Jedi thing, I think that if you wanted to do that, you could probably use my now patented idea <laughs> of basically the Mighty Ducks but with Pokemon. And you could comment on, like, the broken system that, like, profits off of these animals being forced to fight each other. Um, Maybe that's, like, the arc of the character. Or you could come at it from a completely different way and have it be, like, Poke Greenpeace is trying to (laughs) stop the fighting and, like, you know, create what would basically be, like, Rhyme City all over the the, the free world. Like... Mm -hmm. I think you just still need to have the concept of like ownership and collection in some way because like I I just feel it's like something that that's... never comes up in this oddly. Like yeah. the whole idea of like him it was weird when he goes to the apartment I thought it was going to be a different apartment. When they when Pikachu's like come into my apartment. Hmm. I I thought that was going to be a different apartment like you thought that the Pikachu would have its own like single bedroom efficiency unit? I thought that would be incredible. <laughs> Obviously, they didn't want to do that, and they settled for kind of a lazy joke. But like, that's what I'm saying. But that's what I'm saying is that, that is the type of question that was continually coming up to me mm-hmm. because that sense of ownership or like agency wasn't really there and that's especially complicated by later things in this movie well and i was gonna say the film <laughs> continuously draws attention to these concerns throughout because the only oh, yeah. point where i would mostly disagree that the element of pokemon fighting doesn't come up is in the nightclub scene you know the one where diplo shows up to make pokemon <laughs> sing dubstep i guess and in that scene you have the idea that like okay like pokemon battling is treated much more like dogfighting in this world, which ostensibly it is, even in the children's video game Pokemon. And then they do battle, and it's considered wrong in this world. It's coded that way within the movie, but it is something that they do. Well, what's also weird is that it seems like the Pokemon want to. Like... I think that that well, could, it always has, right? Like, well, yeah, the like, Pokemon are like driven to fight one another. Like that's why you can't walk through a goddamn forest without getting attacked by a butterfly, mm-hmm. um, or a mine, or a casino, or pretty much anywhere. Yeah, that's yeah. true. You would anywhere outside of like the bounds of incorporated towns. If you're mm-hmm. in an unincorporated area, you know the Pokemon are running wild. Um. And God I know bless it's... you if you if you ever get in water. Yeah. Also, you got to get that repel, baby. That's the only way to get through those stupid caves without just like getting <laughs> swarmed by Zubats. So I know it's weird because like like Michael brings up, we are constantly saying like, you know, don't just give us the game again. Like, don't don't rehash whatever. But I feel like you need to look at the essential elements of the property and really like lean into them and being this weirdly divorced from it i couldn't even get like the bullshit nostalgia jolt that i was kind of expecting because i don't i don't it seems weird to me that like this is a world where people like 
I don't understand how these people all find their Pokemon. You know? Like, how did that girl get that Psyduck? Because she doesn't seem to enjoy sure. its presence. So it seems more like a curse. And it's not <laughs> practical for obvious reasons as well. Yeah. So. I mean, Pokemon partnerships, even going back to the animated series, were always kind of divined out one way or another. I mean, that part at least tracks. I think what's weirder is, again, coming back to the – again, it seems like overreading until you realize how much the movie invites these questions throughout. <laughs> the idea of how do humans and Pokemon become partners? What is it that brings them together? And these are probably heady questions for Pokemon Detective Pikachu, but I think it kind of sort of wants us to ask them, which is why it's frustrating well, that it has no plan to answer. The, the other weird thing is that if you ever grew up playing the games, it wasn't one. Like, you didn't have to pick one. You picked six. <laughs> you know and so it was like it was like you want me to pick one of these fucking things like no right i have problems picking six because i'm like you exactly. know exactly the, the i feel like the arc that maybe maybe pokemon in some way is a story about like the way your friendships change as you grow older because you start off with your one pokemon which in the original games is either a charizard a bulbasaur or a squirtle and then you use that one to capture other ones. And so at first you're like, I've got a Rattata, I've got a Pidgey, I've got a Weedle, and I've got a Kakuna that can only use Harden. I'm fucking taking <laughs> these guys on the road. We're going to rock out. We're going to win everything. And then like 17 hours of gameplay later, you might not have a single one of those Pokemon in there anymore. Exactly. And you're like, man, like I fucking miss like that Rattata, you know, who I decided to name Chewy for some reason, you know, but like, <laughs> yes, yes, this, you renamed them. Why, this, why wouldn't you? This Nidoran is so much better and it's still like a grass ground type. So like, why would I have that Rattata? Like, you've got to like let go of your old friends to make way for the better friends that will help <laughs> you as your life grows. So, so in Sun and Moon. Um, I was playing and one of my friends mentioned to me that there is a pumpkin Pokemon that's got like a little bat thing on top of it. It's called and so a you immediately bought the game and bought that Pokemon and named him Spice. Uh, <laughs> yes, because I love uh, pumpkin spice. I do. Uh, if you don't know this about me, yes, I'm I'm white as hell. Um, and I. I the Pokemon itself is fucking useless. Like it, it's I can't remember what it is. I think it's like a fairy type or something like that. Um, here we go. It's a ghost and grass. Oh, that um, sounds awesome, though. I search down the supersize one. So you have to do like this little loop to loop in this one section, and then it'll hear something. You'll hear something, and then I've caught. I caught like. 150 200 of these things inside the game it takes forever and i found the super size one which is an extremely rare version of them and i took him all the way to the end he was my my little handicap basically i i took him all the way to the end because i was like you're going to the top baby you're going to the top you're a useless <laughs> fucking creature i don't care i'm taking you with me everybody you got to pull a little bit more weight let's do this and that's what i did because i just Why? want this adorable yeah. pumpkaboo to be able <laughs> yes. to say that it won <laughs> yes and i did it I did it. And that's the stupidest thing about this game, about all of this shit, is you end up getting attached to them for no fucking reason whatsoever. It, they were your first ones. And you're just like, 
oh, I missed him. Like, like, and now, yeah, you rename him, and then I don't even know what his name is. He he might be something cute. I don't know, but uh, Punkaboo's cute, but not as cute as probably what I named him. But anyways, yeah. I just wanted to go off on that tangent. I'm sorry. Well, I and have... isn't that kind of a microcosm <laughs> of the movie in general, though? Like, you find yourself getting exceedingly excited about live-action-ish Pokemon for no real reasonable reason. Certainly no reason that the plot actually lays out at any point in the film, aside from maybe Pikachu and the Psyduck. But you're just very excited to see these Pokemon because they're Pokemon and they're pretty cool out of hand. There are, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I felt that way a few times. But I think that was, what was weird for me is that, like, aside from, like, them talking about, like, Squirtles, Squirtles helping with the fire department and stuff, and, like, I guess the Machamp, like, directing traffic just because he's got so many damn arms, um, it didn't feel like the Pokemon were deployed in the municipal sphere <laughs> <laughs> with any kind of creativity or intelligence. The Pidgeys should be a mail service, I say. Right, like you no, pid- they did that in Harry Potter, and they found out that the birds just shit everywhere. That's, <laughs> that's bad idea, bad idea. Um, but like you know, you could have like electric type Pokemon like in a power plant. Like there's green energy from that. You know, you you could have like <laughs> even just like a street. Well, I guess they did have like a street vendor who his Charmander like flambéed some stuff with his tail. Did he? I think I saw that. I couldn't tell if he did it on purpose or if it was a happy accident. Well, well, but like my question is, is that Charmander just setting shit on fire all the time? Or is is his tail not actually on fire? Or did he just accidentally do that? But I I don't know. I just feel like there's a difference between, hey, look, there's some Pokemon everywhere. And, oh, isn't that clever that they're using like a Bulbasaur to create a roof garden? You know, like... (laughs) And um, you don't really see most of them use any powers. And I will get into that when we talk about spoilers, which how long have we been talking? Yeah, almost long, an right? hour. <laughs> yes, almost an hour. Um, so we an should get into spoilers soon. But what, Michael, did you have a thing to say before we did? No, we've been talking for too long. Spoilers. <laughs> okay. uh, Dominic, did you want to throw anything on before we got into spoilers? No. Any hot ideas I have are in the spoiler category now. <laughs> okay. So to continue on with my, I don't think that they're really deploying Pokemon as cleverly as they could. I, so Pikachu gets grievously injured by a falling rock and the Bulbasaur's show up and he's like, I need help. Like my Pikachu's dying. And something that the movie doesn't wrestle with is that in the games, When a Pokemon is taken out in battle, it faints, and then you have to take it to a Poke Center, and then you put it on a little tray. And it, I'm sorry, what was that? Nurse Joy. Yeah, you get your Nurse Joy. The many different Nurse Joys. All the joys, and and then they put it in like a little tray, and then it's super healed again. So like that gets rid of the horror because it's not like your Pikachu's bleeding out; it's your Pikachu (laughs) is fainted. Take it to a Poké Center and it's fighting fit and it's super happy. So like this movie, he gets hit by a rock and it's like he's going to die. He's just straight up going to die. And mm-hmm. when the Bulbasaur showed up, I said, are they going to use Leech Seed and like Justice Smith's character, whose name I can't remember, uh, though I should could probably look it up really easily. Uh, Tim Goodman. Tim. 
It's a very forgettable name. So Tim, I was expecting that the Bulbasaurs would would somehow like make him understand that like they could take some of Tim's life force and feed it into Pikachu through like the leech seed attack. <laughs> but instead they like lead him on like a Totoro-esque walk through mm-hmm. the forest where we find Mewtwo. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I don't know why that bugged me, but I was just like, there are ways to do this that could even play a little deeper into the Pokemon lore that we seem to just like be forgetting in favor of being like, they're wild animals, but they're also sort of witches familiars and some of them are cops. <laughs> like they would be it would be so fun to go into a Poke Center and then see a bunch of like healing Pokemon. Like For sure. like I would love to see someone put a, a thermometer, like one of those old style like glass thermometers the inside. Yeah, with the mercury, like inside a Pokemon and just see it just like Mm-hmm. And like, cute and then you can have fun like, with that because if it's Pokemon. if it's an ice yeah. Pokemon, they'll be like, "Oh, thirteen degrees, excellent, perfect." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that. Yeah, it would just be so fun to see just a bunch of cute little like semi injured Pokemon that have recently fainted, and then now on their now on the road to recuperation, and uh, we, you come back in an hour, and they'll be just fine, sir. You know, just like, oh, okay, thanks. Now, the other issue is that this mystery makes no goddamn sense. (laughs) Fuck no, it doesn't. We've been talking talking a lot about Pokemon (sighs) and like what we wish we'd seen in this movie and how it falls down a bit. How does he not know his dad's voice? Come on. Yeah, there's that. There's the whole thing of like, oh, this eccentric multi-billionaire has shown me a computer generated like 3D creation of the crime. But only like this one 15 second clip. Maybe I could get some more context. But as a counterpoint, Uh all of this opens the door for Bill Nye talking through Mewtwo, which is by a substantial margin the best thing that happens in this movie at any point. I just, I want to be a part of the discussion with Bill Nye when they're just like, Bill, um, your offer only. Here's $2 million. We'd love for you to be in this movie. That's fantastic. What what would I be playing? Am I another old vampire? And it's like, no, Bill, you're a uh, paraplegic uh, owner of a multinational corporation. Uh, Fantastic. And you will put your brain into a uh, a Mewtwo. What the fuck is this? (laughs) And then they show him a picture and they they explain everything to him. And he just says, I don't care. (laughs) How much are you paying me? Because <laughs> that is it's a little crazy. It's a little nuts. I think there's also, and this Get is out. definitely coming from the part of me that knows too much about Pokemon. I am so sick and tired of people using Mewtwo as either a Deus Ex Machina or a MacGuffin or like an enemy. You know? Yeah. I know that he's the only Pokemon of which there is only one and his like powers are godlike. But like, come on, guys. Like, I was really hoping for that this movie would be something that, like, like it's it's a detective story. But, like, it's it goes to, like, the whole, <laughs> it goes to, like, the extreme of a superhero movie, you know? And I'm not saying that he needs to, like, shoot the mare at the docks and walk away and throw his badge <laughs> into the water and be like, this is the only real justice there is. But, like, maybe just tone it down a bit and maybe, like, lean into the detective tropes a little more. 
Well, I think there's a problem in general with, again, what movie it wants to be, mm-hmm. because it sort of depends on what you wanted out of the movie. Because if you wanted the sort of noir flirting, darker version of this that the movie does tease at times, then I think everyone here would agree based on our discussion. It's more or less a letdown in that respect. Yes. If you wanted Pokemon hanging out, you know, mileage may vary. I want to actually bring up Catherine Newton's performance again, if only because I not only dig it, but think that more of the movie could have really benefited from some of the weird, bubbly, almost anime energy she brings to it. Because a lot of the movie otherwise is this half-formed detective movie, and I thought that version of it was more fun. I actually agree with you, um, I think, to an extent. Because when she trundles down that staircase and is like i've been waiting all day to see who opened that mailbox and then like goes into her whole like i'm a cub reporter see and all this other stuff is happening and i was like if we could pitch the whole movie with everyone acting in this kind of like overly mannered very like dead on cliche kind of way i would be all over this i think that would be super fun but then she sort of loses that uh, who yeah. what was the uh damn it the hudsucker proxy um jeffrey jason lee yeah like that kind of energy like i want jennifer jason lee and the hudsucker proxy all over this movie and i you know but instead she sort of just becomes like basic action movie girl which i know sounds reductive and it's the movie not me like she just kind of well they have to grind to her that. down in a weird way to make her like a romantic interest too. like yeah. she starts, it starts in a way where she is above Tim, like not where she seems like she doesn't seem like romantic interest, at least to me from that first sequence, but it's immediately after where he watches her, you know, get chewed out by the, uh, by Chris gears character. Well, ditto, I don't know who the fuck that was. Whoever gets mad at her and and makes her feel like an intern. Like, you know, it's like they absolutely compromised any possibility that she would be this not even femme fatale, but, you know, any type of archetype within the, the noir framework. Yeah, she loses a lot of any kind of personality that they had for her. And that's uh, distressing. And then, like, you know, you add into that, again, uh, a... A unfocused performance, I think, from Justice Smith, and it just it hard it becomes hard to really latch on to any of these characters, either through like actual empathy or just having fun with them. Well, and Justice Smith gets put in this really unenviable position where he has to play sort of at once a bumbling character, but also a straight man to both Newton's more energetic character and to Detective Pikachu himself itself. I'm not sure how we gender Pokemon, but like (laughs) in any case, he's sort of tasked with this really thankless part in the movie because he has to sort of be the glue that holds it together without actually being given anything especially charismatic to distinguish himself Mm -hmm. i think that's even weirder too when you think about the third the third act where he like disappears from the movie for about 10 minutes and the movie doesn't seem to notice as it focuses only on pikachu like in in which is kind of indicative of exactly 
what Brian and Dom are saying here is that like that those like those set pieces are like it's just it's so strange when you have Justice Smith reminding you that it's a person running past you pass them whether you know you're talking about the prime apes or wait they're not prime apes <laughs> they're a newer pokemon that i'm not familiar with i think they but were the calling monkey... them ape palms or something okay i don't the know the monkey pokemon though but either way A-pom. though a palm like that as well as the lab sequence like both of those are keen reminders of not only the thankless position that you have an actual human character but not not even that uncanny valley, but just like the mechanics necessary for a blockbuster of, of this magnitude of needing to just, you know, uh, make things chaotic for no other reason than because that's that's what it's supposed to be at that given moment. I kind of lost the thread of my thought and just tried to kept, keep going and it didn't come back and someone take over. I mean, so you I came to talking. a conclusion. My issue now is just like, okay, so how do we keep talking about this? Or like, can we like, well, how about ditto? Do you want to talk about ditto? I was totally fine with the ditto thing. <laughs> the ditto thing is terrifying. It's horrifying. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, at the end of Roger Rabbit, a, sure. a movie that, more delivers on the concept of you know detective in x kind of weird world that we all sort of know um yeah but like you know at the end of that movie when he's like do you remember me Eddie? when i killed your brother like that was the kind of moment that the ditto eyes on all those people uh, brought to mind how do you think suki waterhouse felt about her role in that final cut though i she feel a single like, line of dialogue I she didn't i actually <laughs> watched she's a ditto she can't speak or she would only say ditto that's that's right this is true yeah. man but, but ditto saying ditto would have been a terrifying giveaway too yeah it would be but i wonder if there was if, a what if it was just like lines of dialogue that would set up it saying ditto Oh, man, what's your favorite line from a Patrick Swayze movie? <laughs> Ditto. Oh, yeah. I really love burritos. Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> See? Like, that would have been perfect. It, and just have it do that, like, once or twice, and then just to plant that seed further. <laughs> it, I, um, would, it would be perfect. That reminds me of, there was, like, a cartoon or something with, like, this guy, and he's, like, covered in flop sweat, and he goes into a talent agency, and he's like, I've got this dog. He's amazing. He can talk. And he's like, you know, what's the top of the, what's the thing on top of a house? And the dog says like roof. He's like, that's right. It's a roof. And he goes through and it's like, who's the base, the best baseball player of all time. And he says roof. And he's like, see Babe Ruth. And then they get kicked out and the dog looks at him and says, do you think I should have said DiMaggio? <laughs> <laughs> it's just that level uh, of comedy. Jeez. <laughs> But honestly, if we're going to talk Borscht Belt punchlines for a second, I want to go back to Ryan Reynolds because I it, it it's it's weird because at once he has the kind of energy that I know is going to make this movie a big deal for a whole lot of people, kids especially. But at the same time, like I and I'll admit, like, I will fully disclose at this time, like, I'm not a huge fan of his whole shtick. I find the Deadpool movies really grating, honestly. But, like, it works well here 
until like the movie can't figure out what it wants him to do. So he's just kind of being a PG version of Ryan Reynolds. It settles on. Yeah. Which is weird and doesn't really fit in the movie. And also neither of them does a lot of detecting. (laughs) He does. He certainly does. He talks about clues at some point, but like, it feels like, and this is something that happens a lot in detective movies. So I don't want to knock it too hard, but this movie, to a heavy extent, is just people who realize these people are trying to detect, and so they just hand them some clues sometimes. Sure. Tell us again how much you like Under the Civil Silver Lake, Brian. <laughs> I think if you were to mash these two movies up, it would be amazing. Can you imagine if instead of dead squirrels everywhere, it was dead rats? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's about as useless as they are. I think it's... um. I think it. I think in bringing up Under the Silver Lake uh, again, listen to our episode. Um, it's interesting because that is a man who's detecting so hard that he's coming up with clues that don't exist, and these are de- people who are detecting so poorly that other characters have to come in and just give them information. Well, like, and I think that's kind of the key gripe with this movie, right? It's not especially good at being a detective movie, which is what you put on the tin. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Like it like like I said, it's it's a Pokemon Detective Pikachu movie that does not really deliver the Pokemon universe that we might want. It does not deliver any kind of satisfying detective movie, but it does have a Pikachu in it. So like two out of three words in the title ain't bad. And the Pikachu's pretty cute. The it's Pikachu's cute. very cute. But again, okay. I think this is my issue. I, like, if I hear Detective Pikachu, I want that high-pitched, squeaky-ass little mouse voice like that goes, Pika, Pika! But I want it to be like, There's footprints of blood over in the alleyway, and I found a shell casing that matches the ones we found at the prostitute's house. Like, I think that's a better movie. <laughs> you can't deny that you would watch the shit out of that. You know, I I was thinking about um, like who who I wanted in this role that it would not even in terms of like different writing, but who would have more got across like a combination of cuteness and an edge. And like it was weird because I was thinking about Missing Link and Zach Galifianakis and how that was almost that was so much more uh, that was so much kinder and, and mm-hmm. so much like uh, more earnest and um but also you know like oblivious and and, and it, it is kind of weird we're talking about this this sense of identity crisis because i because it, it does seem like um you know at certain moments it, it it makes sense about who these characters are but then again it also kind of seems like the marvel syndrome at times where it's just like throwing jokes to stand in for character development or well, to even, move things along even that apon like chase like that should be like a snappy yeah. little action scene and pikachu's like making jokes and like not really helping and like you know he loses his pants i don't know it's mm-hmm. the and like yeah. the, like the pants thing is the type of thing that like i can see like okay it's a movie for kids and what's funnier than a guy losing his pants but then you follow that with like a weird dialogue scene where they're yeah. like trying to figure out like why he could talk to the Pikachu and no one else can. I feel like the movie has to buy I into like some that, of that. I kind of like that conceit, even though they don't stick with it for that long or to like ever find an interesting way to actually manipulate it. Yeah. 
Like, like you know, there's the point where he's like pretending to talk on the phone so people won't yes. think it's weird that he's talking to the yes. Pikachu. Yes. Yeah, um, that's trying something at least. Yeah, I think that like I think that the pro- the more we've talked about it, I think I can like narrow my my gripes with the movie down to it's too many like compromise half measures. It's not doing any of the more interesting things that it wants to be doing or is sort of doing hard enough to really be as interesting as it should be to like carry through the other deficiencies in the movie. So like I could get over this not taking place in the Pokemon world of my like childhood fantasies. If like, maybe like I said, either Pikachu's got like high pitched squeaky mouse voice or you get like Tommy Lee Jones to do it. (laughs) I think that like Ryan Reynolds is a safe, inoffensive choice because he can give this kind of but he's he's not really like detective-y you know he just doesn't have that mm. vibe for it he just is kind of a quipping smart ass but he can't yeah. be as clever or profane as he wants to be because it's a pg movie so i think well, like you get someone like bob hoskins to be that voice rest of soul D'Onofrio. yeah <laughs> i mean let's be honest and and i want to give ryan reynolds some credit here um without him this movie tanks like without that kind of personality and that pop. I really don't think this film has any forward momentum and it's not going to be fun at all. I'm not saying that they can't financially or narratively. Yeah. I don't, I'm not saying that they couldn't find someone that could do this potentially better. But I think if you remove that personality from this film, I think this film is dead in the water. I don't think this film works at all without Reynolds as a part of it in its current iteration. Hmm. Well, I mean, for one, I would welcome Tom Waits's take on the character. I think there'd be a lot to put in there, but I, I, I do think like one thing we've danced around, especially that might speak to a lot of this narrative inconsistency. And I thought about it even as I was walking out of the theater for a movie that is supposed to ostensibly establish other movies, which is assumedly the purpose of this as much as anything, mm-hmm. it doesn't really set up anywhere to come back to beyond Rhyme City and the abstract, which is really weird to me because it's a franchise starter that also mm-hmm. like has this weirdly limited scope ultimately. It's sure. that's true. Like, I think that like one of the well, one there's a couple of issues. One of them is Detective Pikachu is no more. Mm-hmm. He, he, sure. You know, right, now I we could spend 17 hours trying to figure out why. So, like, Mewtwo is able to put the souls of people into other Pokemon. I'm, I'm so sorry that I have to say all this, but it goes into the point I'm making. <laughs> so we find weird. out that he can transfer a human soul into a Pokemon. Bill Nye, he says, only if the Pokemon is wild. So they create, like, a crazy drug to, like, meth out some Pokemon so they can transfer souls into them. And but then when you give them more, that's when it, it uh, like you can overdose them though, and that doesn't make them angry. That's what gives them. I, I doesn't it make them okay when they're overdosed or something? I think that are you talking about what he does to the ditto? Yes, I think that that's just like a statement on how fucking dumb a ditto is. <laughs> like, because if you if you narc out a prime ape then that thing's going to go nuts and karate chop all over the place. But a ditto is like Play-Doh. And so if it goes wild, I guess it can't control its transmutations. So it just becomes like a stoner that melts into a puddle. I don't know, Mm. honestly. Because he did Mm. that and I was like, why would you 
give the like crazy person trying to kill you a dose of PCP. Like that's not a good idea. <laughs> but anyway, um, but also the Mewtwo is able to transfer Harry into his Pikachu, and and when we say like transfer the human soul, it's really the whole body appears to go into the Pokemon in some sort of weird nonsensical way i guess that you just don't want to have to film a scene where it looks like there's billions of dead people around <laughs> and also you need to like have that mystery of where's harry's body and it's like well it's technically inside yeah. the pikachu um but the thing is mew to transfers harry's body without the pikachu being wild so i don't know what that's all about but also like it then says like i can tr- like this pikachu is giving up its life to save your soul I'm going to put you in the Pikachu. It's not going to have any memories. We don't know why. I'm not sticking around to fucking tell this thing what's going on. Mm-hmm. And and so when it wakes up, it's on its own. Hopefully it remembers to do everything I've like kind of told it to do. But also, like once your son is here, I can totally give you your body back. And I don't know if that's like a genetics thing. <laughs> they don't really they don't really lay that out. Um, I was making a point by going through all this bullshit. Oh, right. The the point is that at the end of the movie. It's now just Detective Harry and Tim Goodman. It's no longer Detective Pikachu mm-hmm. because the Pikachu's back to being a Pikachu. And, and and the writers have mentioned that they have like ideas of how to get around this and how to potentially have a Detective Pikachu too or open up the world. But still, it is a weird thing that that the Pokemon Group company company uh, yeah. put in all of this effort to hamstring their first live action version of a of a Pokemon film and be like, no, no, no battles, no Pokedex, no Pokeballs, no wild Pokemon, like none of this like normal shit. We want one that has a talking detective Pikachu and make us a movie. And now it's just other- like, what? And then and then it's like, okay, and we're taking Detective Pikachu away from this franchise now. And now what do you have? And it's like, oh, what? Like, why did you have me do this if all you were going to do is take him away? Now, here's the thing, though, is that, like, there have been plenty of human animal detectives in this world of ours. You know, like, you got Penny and uh, Sprocket. What's the name of uh, Inspector Gadget's dog? Gizmo? Oh. No one's going to help me out here? I have no idea. It's not going to be Gizmo. It's not going to be Gizmo. Gizmo's too close to Gremlins. I don't know. Anyways, go ahead. It's going to bug me now. I need to know what this dog's name is. His name name is is Brain. I'm sorry. Oh, it's Brain. Okay, perfect. So yeah, you got Penny and Brain, you know, and Brain's a dog, and he still is able to do stuff. You got Scooby-Doo, the grandfather of them all. But like, so you could totally have... Detective Pikachu be just a normal Pikachu that like you know tugs on a guy's collar and is like Pika Pika and then he's like oh my god you're right the body's over there we found the other <laughs> half of the torso um, well I mean there's a there's a version of the franchise that has a lot of like Turner and Hooch energy one of the other great human animal on screen companion teams yeah K nine yeah a less great <laughs> duo. <laughs> But no, there's something to be said in the way that like even in even in the cartoon, 
you know, you knew why Ash and Pikachu came together. You knew why, like, each of the main character Pokemon came together with their human companions. And mm-hmm. that's one thing that I feel like outside of, like, sort of has half-assedly with Detective Pikachu at the end of the movie, this movie never really gives you that sense. It never gives you, like, why why am I care- caring about the this human and this Pokemon giving a shit about each other? Which I think was something it really needed because the excitement of Pokemon is, as we talked about earlier in the show, you know, oh, I captured this special animal through wilderness violence. But, you know, whatever. Let's move past that. (laughs) Wilderness violence. The best kind of violence. And and now I can give it a name and it is my friend. And if you like sideline the terror of that once again, you know, there's something really exciting about that that I don't think the movie ever totally gets at. No, it's like a Jack London story, man. It's like, you know, I found this half wolf and now we're the only people who can get each other through this situation. And so the whole movie, I was like, this movie has to end with him and the Pikachu deciding that they're going to pair up. Right. But at the end, he hasn't made any friendships with that Pikachu because it was his dad the whole time. So I, I this wanna... weird thing that they've set up at the beginning where, where he's talking to his friend and his friend's like, you have to make an emotional connection with the Pokemon. Everyone has a Pokemon. At the end of the movie, this kid still has no fucking Pokemon. I want to I want to touch on something that Dom mentioned in relation to like the animated show and the animated show did such a good job of this and making this, you know, we mentioned kind of using a or looking at a Pokemon that we have originally and just sticking with it. Right. And the show did a great job of that with Pikachu, right? Because it was Ash's first, I think it was his first Pokemon, right? Yeah. But he never let it evolve to Raichu, which is its more powerful form. There was like a whole episode about that. Yeah. And he kept it with him throughout the entire time, even though Pikachu is not necessarily a very powerful Pokemon. And so he went through all of these battles. He, he ended up with like Charizard and like all of these other, like, you know, large, uh, burly, I don't know, like, like, powerful pokemon and then his standby was always pikachu and it was like they were a team a ragtag team that like every time pikachu would show up people would just be like what the fuck are you doing with a pikachu like they this do is at some weird. point make a point of saying that his pikachu is like the most powerful pikachu <laughs> that's ever been sure but like but the whole like, arc of i think the the pilot episode and oh my god i never thought my knowledge of pokemon would pay off like this but like <laughs> Pikachu doesn't respect him. He he has to wear like dishwashing gloves and tie a rope around it to drag it through the forest. And it's not until they're attacked. Yeah, yeah. It's not until they're attacked by a bunch of Spiro and Ash like defends Pikachu with his very mortal body that Pikachu's like this human's all right. And then jumps up on his shoulder, leaps into the air and shocks them all. And then they become best friends. Like that's the kind of like. Like I was saying, that Jack London boy and his dog, like, emotional connection. And so it's weird that this movie, like, now is just like, this kid and his dad are all right. And it's like, I've seen 400 movies about that. Where's my goddamn Pokemon? (laughs) (laughs) But, like, yeah, so I think that, like, the, the next step for a movie like this is to have him and his dad. Like, it's weird that the movie ends with him, like, saying, I think I'm going to stick around, throwing away the ticket. 
Um, and then, I'm not saying I'm going to be a trainer. <laughs> is he saying he's going to be a trainer? Because I think no, the no, and not saying that I'm saying right. like especially after foreshadowing that with his room, or sure. you just have the, like it cuts back to them at the detective agency. And instead of being like Harry Goodman Detective Agency, you could be like Harry and Sons Detective Agency, and sure. Justice Smith is over there with like, I don't know, maybe the Cubone from the first scene, you know, sure. hanging out. The Cubone's, uh, I don't know, pounding mashed potatoes while he's typing up reports or something. Like, I don't know. It just feels like there's a beat missing at the end to tie it all in because it's like I understand that there is a a missing father aspect of this movie, but that's not the interesting or important part. And we've gone through all this stuff and he's finally learned to like emotionally connect with Pokemon, but we haven't paid that off. They skipped the corporate tie in <laughs> <laughs> the most important part, obviously clearly. <sighs> I feel like we're re- like, yeah, I feel like we're reading too much into this movie, but I feel like in a way the movie is, is, giving us enough that it doesn't make us seem like we're just crazy because like i've started to wonder it invites it yeah and i've started to wonder sometimes like you know people accuse me if you can believe it of thinking (laughs) too deeply about movies and i think that you have to take the complex reality of the movie at the level that it offers you to read into it so like well this movie does does both right it it has like Ryan Reynolds playing a wisecracking, like, semi helper, right? But then it also has a whole backstory of how Justice Smith lost his mom when he was really young. His dad decided to throw himself into detective work and basically left his kid on the sideline. And yeah. it's like, it's, it's balancing both of those things at the same time. And it's like, People just wanted to come to see fucking Pokemon in the real world. And that's and you're giving them this other thing at the same time. And you're like, those don't really mix unless you really, really nail the tone. And this film almost threads that needle, but it it definitely doesn't doesn't quite hit that mark. And, and that's where the this... only few people that are good at it kind of are the Lego people. Like they're kind of really fucking good at that of threading that needle of being sincere and also having a fuck ton of fun at the same time. Cause they don't pull punches with the emotional reality of their films. Like this is a movie that has like a man dying ostensibly and Bill Nighy going, Hey, like, you know, I'm, I'm going crazy cause I'm in a wheelchair and I just want to heal people through merging them with their Pokemon. Um, and I so that that kind of gives the uh, in my mind the go ahead to like start examining the darker, more complex aspects of this world, because like I, you know, people got up in my fucking face when I said some shit about um, Avengers Endgame, like not playing fair with its morality. And I was like, the movie literally has like grief support groups and 9-11 imagery. Like if I'm not allowed to look at this movie through a level of real world, like grief and mourning, then what the fuck am I supposed to do? I was watching Storks the other day. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! I'm this is this is gonna this is feeding in. Don't worry about it. So like, but that's a movie where like the storks bring babies to houses, and it's um there's a point where like a baby touches a stork and he sees that entire girl's like life 
flash before his eyes so like it's it's a it's i don't know it's a, it makes you cry anyway so there was a part of me that immediately was like oh man that sucks like what happens when a stork like sees a kid like a baby touches the stork that delivered it and suddenly he sees that like the baby only lives till seven but then i was like you know what the world of this movie is such that we've sort of been given no insight into the fact that there is that kind of tragedy in this world which is sort of a cop-out but also if the movie's not wrestling with that and the movie is clearly giving like a sunny, happy version of reality where fucking storks deliver children, then I don't think that it is fair of me to the narrative of the film to say if a stork sees a child in its head when the child touches it and he's like, oh, this child's going to do 9-11, I should kill it now. Like that's not <laughs> something that the movie is technically giving me an allowance to think about. Whereas mm. this movie, I believe, does do that and that is why i don't feel bad kind of picking it apart like that does that make sense children and 9-11 <laughs> look you don't come to the film stage show about detective pikachu to not hear about like kids getting killed at seven and 9-11 and all that other shit i guess so do we have anything else to say about this movie? <laughs> I think on the note of September 11th imagery, I'm tapped. <laughs> I will say that this movie doesn't have uh, 9-11 imagery. It does have Batman imagery. Where's Where's Batman? What are you talking about? Fucking parade balloons gassing people? Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Good stuff. No, Both Warner stuff. Brothers releases too. Warner Brothers <laughs> always trying to warn us about the dangers of balloons. You don't know what's in there. <laughs> this is true. This is true. All right. So, yes. Any final thoughts before we uh, cash out on this madness? Did you guys, uh, final uh, poll, did you guys have any Pokemon that you wanted to see in this? Pumpkaboo! It's not there. Who? <laughs> Pumpkaboo. Oh, Pumpkaboo. <laughs> I want weird reality shattering missing no stuff. I was really upset that there wasn't even a point where like the credits got all pixely and weird, honestly. It's, uh, you gotta fine. save that for the sequel, fine. baby. That's, that's gonna Sonic. be like Pokemon Detective Pikachu 7 like endgame when it's like what we gotta do is catch a missing note of warp reality so we can <laughs> stop Harry from dying for the sixth time in a row. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, I do know one thing I wanted in this movie. Did any of you ever do the game-breaking cheat on Red or Blue to automatically level your Pokemon to 100? Is that no, I did the one thing? where you get like a billion Pokeballs. Yeah, the item thing, yeah. No, see, there was another one where you could game the cartridge. I forget, it was in like the second village. You could go talk to one specific guy and you had to talk to him like exactly 13 times or something like that. And then you went you surfed all the way down on whatever surf Pokemon you had to one of the farthest South islands. And then you had to walk up and down the shoreline like a lunatic for a while. And then eventually you would be attacked by like a level 100 magic harp that you could kill in one shot. 
And then it would do two things simultaneously. It would level everyone in your set six to 100 immediately. It would also irreparably break your cartridge because whenever you tried to go to a Pokemon Center and look on the computer, everything would be pixely and busted. And I broke two different blue cartridges doing this (laughs) because it was how you established dominance on the playground back then. (laughs) So wait, so like the cartridge was forever fucked up like you couldn't start the game over? No, you could start the game. Well, you could start the game over, but as long as you were playing in that save file, you could never put one in the Pokemon Center and then get it back. Like, that was the blood trade. Gotcha. (laughs) Gotcha. See, that's what I want to see in the next movie. I did like the use of Licky Tongue. I thought that was really fucking weird and gross and also hilarious that he's just like, whose fucking licky tongue is this right and now? And no one claimed it? Yeah. <clears throat> I um. I felt I felt pandered to with the Magikarp thing, but I, I liked that bit too where it turned into the Gyarados. I like that it was like a delayed reaction too. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else was I going to say? I, okay, d- was there a Farfetch'd in this movie? No, I don't know. So. Damn, see, that was my favorite. I caught a far-fetched once, and I was like, me and this goddamn onion-wielding duck are going to go the distance. Green onion, baby. <laughs> yeah, he's got like a leak, and he's just like rocking it like Errol Flynn. I used to think Scyther was cool, and then oh, I also I love realized. Scyther. But it's an insect Pokemon, so I'm like, mm, Yeah, insect Pokemon's blow ass. Wait a second, that's not true. My Beedrill could kick your ass. <laughs> The next 20 minutes of this podcast are brought to you by Pixie Sticks and a desire to go back to a time when things were simpler. Um, I think that I wish that like there'd been more. I kind of I don't know. I really loved Cubone as a kid. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe I had a thing about Pokemon that wielded weapons uh, because Cubone and Farfetch both have have sticks that they. That's not a stick. I know one of them's like a bone and the other one's a leak. Yeah. Is that also his mother's bone? I I don't know about the bone. I I know about the helmet. The hel- but yeah, not he's the wearing bone. his mom's skull. Yeah, I think that was darkly funny. But like, how fucked up of a friend you have to be to be like, my friend is upset because his mom died. This Pokemon mm-hmm. is also upset because its mom died, and it copes by wearing her skull. So <laughs> I think they'd be well matched. One of my favorite Pokemon was always uh, Sand Slash. And oh, so, yeah. yeah, I, I wish, I wish that would have been in there. Um, I was sort of hoping to see, um, a Magneton or like a Diglett, you know, I think the, mm, yeah, I don't know. I, I like just, Diglett. I like Diglett. I fucking yeah. hate Diglett's, but I think it just would have been funny to see a Diglett. Mm-hmm. Or an Alakazam. Oh yeah. Kadabra. I liked, uh, yeah. I loved getting Abras and I would never let them evolve because they were just so cute. <laughs> They would just sit there. Yeah. You would you would throw them into the arena and they would just be sitting on their ass. It's just like, do something, man. Quit they have like so no cute. attacks. That was always yeah. the cruelest thing is that like this Pokemon will evolve into something awesome, but it can only use Harden right now. <laughs> All right. I think yeah. we're done. Um, yep. <laughs> can't keep doing this. We, we, we could. We cannot, though. So that's it talking about uh D- pokemon detective pikachu a pikachu who is a pokemon centric detective just so we know it's not branding and then title it is he is a pokemon detective 
Um, next week we'll be talking about John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, which I believe is Latin for prepare for war. So be excited for that. Um, in general, all the usual stuff. Is this Ryan is... Reynolds in that one? No. Jason Manzukas is, though. Yes, As the TikTok man. The TikTok. <laughs> he's, he's already my favorite character in any movie this year. <sighs> anyway, um, super excited for that. Basically, uh, that's going to be coming sometime this weekend slash early next week. So, ladies and gentlemen, look forward to that. Uh, we are brought to you by Mubi. You can go to mubi.com slash filmstage for your free 30-day trial. You can also go to patreon.com slash the filmstage show and give us your money. And we'll be happy to take it. It helps us to create more fine episodes like this and our classic reviews and all that fun stuff. So, again, that's patreon.com slash the filmstage show. And... I think that's it. I think that's all. Now we can tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time. Dominic, again, thank you for joining us. Would you like to tell the fine people at home where they can find you on the internet? Yes, I would. Thank you, Brian. Um, you can find me on Twitter intermittently at D Suzanne Mayer. Otherwise, you can find all of my stuff at Consequences Sound, where I am myself the film editor at that particular website. And uh, you can also find some of my writing, mostly news and occasionally editorial, over at The Takeout as well. Nice. Love that. Love that goddamn website. Um, are you coming back for our Sonic episode so we can once again talk about how <laughs> movies are not living up to the worlds created by their video games? I mean, if you want my grand conspiracy theory about how we're trying to monetize memes with movies now, I'm happy to come back when the time comes. Oh, we should just have a conspiracy podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> Just make that like a bonus episode. It's like, all right, now that we've talked about Sonic, let's talk about conspiracies. The Earth is flat, chemtrails, and Morgulans. Anyway. Uh, what? What? <laughs> no, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, Under the Silver Lake is a documentary. <laughs> oh, my God. <sighs> anyway, uh, Bill Graham, why don't you tell people where you can be found online? Uh, son tells me the bones it possesses were once its mother's. Its mother regrets have become like a vengeful spirit protecting this Pokemon. That's that's what uh, Alolan Marowak. Well, that's Alolan Marowak, says. but we don't know about like yes. the Marowaks of the mountain. Is it in yes. okay? This is we really can't keep talking about this. But when oh you go God. to the ghost <laughs> tower, isn't the final ghost like the the mother of the Cubone? Ooh, I don't remember that. All right, well, we're I, not looking it up. Yeah. Bill Graham, where can you be found online between now and the next time? Uh, you can find me uh, probably playing Sun and Moon again. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> uh, on Twitter, at CableBFG, you can also find me mixing it up in the Slack channel. All right, Michael Snydell. You can find me on Twitter at, at @snidell. Uh, I've been slow on writing, but I will. I'll actually have a review of uh, what's my name in the Muhammad Ali HBO doc um, up at the Spool, and I'll also be doing some um, reviews for the Chicago Critics Festival. So if you're going to be at the Chicago Critics Festival, uh, please uh, say hello. I promise I won't bite. All right. As for me, you can find me on uh, everything at Brian J. Rowan. That is my personal site as well, brianjrowan.com. And of course, you can find my writing and every episode of this podcast, filmstage.com. 
Again, next week, well, probably like five days from now, we will be talking about John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. Once again, thank you to our guest, Dominic, for joining us to talk way too much and way too seriously about Detective Pikachu. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, awesome. thank you for joining us, and tune in next time. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me the throw? I said, not today. I got a lot.